Servant Leadership Institute, doing a podcast today with a gentleman I've met and did a podcast with him several months ago. A great individual, Connor Beaton. He is the founder of Man Talk, um, and he's special to my heart because he focuses on helping men. And uh, I've done some work with men in the past, and it's a very, very interesting aspect and very rewarding as well. So, Connor, welcome aboard today. Great, great to have you out on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. Good to see you again. Likewise. Yeah. Likewise. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about Man Talks, um, what the purpose is. I'd love to hear why you started it um, yeah. and the focus. So why don't you just um, tell our audience a little bit about you and, and Man Talks? Yeah, for sure. Well, you know, Man Talks is like, like most businesses evolved over the years. Um, you know, it started off as a, as an event in Vancouver, BC in a little small ING direct, um, which is a financial institution and has kind of gone all over the place since, but you know, I, I think what's more important is, is why I started it. And I, I started it because, um, like so many people, uh, like so many men, as I came to find, uh, I had created a life that from the outside looked phenomenal you know looked great i had the the career i was traveling the world i had this great relationship and if you had met me a decade ago you know behind the scenes um i was hiding quite a bit so the relationship was struggling um i was being unfaithful i there was, there was infidelity um i was unhappy there was you know uh, lots of unhealthy vices in my life and and so i was sort of like living this dual life and when it all sort of came crashing down uh, and I hit what I would call a rock bottom or uh, what some people refer to as a dark night of the soul. Um, I finally did the one thing that growing up I had been told not to do, which is, you know, go and get some help and, uh, and to actually talk about what I had been going through. And so I very quickly discovered that there was this sort of one rule that almost all men abided by. I call it the run, the one rule of men, which is very similar to fight club, right? Which is you don't talk about it. Right. Exactly. So fight, the rule of fight club is you don't talk about fight club. The one rule of men is you don't talk about what it's like to be a man. And that can be a man that's going through divorce, a man whose business is struggling, uh, a man who is, you know, struggling to be a father or a parent or, you know, who feels lonely or struggling with depression or anxiety. And for me, it was a man who was struggling to deal with shame. And the, the shame of, uh, you know, lying and and being unfaithful and and not really having direction in my career, and so, you know, after after I started to realize that, I started to share with some of my friends what had been going on in my life and the truth about what I had been experiencing, and I started to see the very real impact of this rule on the men that that I, that I was surrounded by. You know, guys who had these what seemed to be thriving businesses who I found out were, you know, on the brink of bankruptcy, marriages that were falling apart, that from the outside looked great. And I really started to meet the real men that were in my life, mm -hmm. not the ones that they were portraying, not the masks that they were trying to give me. And it, it radically shifted my perspective. And I thought, you know, if the, if this is happening in my life, it's certainly happening in other men's lives. 
And so I wanted to create, uh, you know, a, a space and environment where guys could get together and just be real, you know, be honest to talk about the stuff that was going on in their career, talk about the directionlessness, um, the lack of clarity, being able to talk about the imposter syndrome, um, the infidelities, the, the just the struggles that they were going through so they could collectively support one another. Right. So, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. It's interesting, you know. We have a, we have amazing egos, uh, <laughs> and then I call it the F word. Men have a hard time uh, talking about their feelings, yeah, and how they're feeling inside and the struggles. So, um, yeah, yeah, that's got to be pretty interesting uh, to work with men. First of all, to find men who are willing to talk about that kind of stuff. How how do, yeah. how do you create that safe environment for men to get together and actually start seeking the help that they need? Yeah. So initially, um, you know, initially it just started as an event series. So I guess, you know, you could think like Ted talks meets Oprah, but for guys. And so, you know, the, the original concept was getting men who were willing to share the autobiography as if they were going to die tomorrow. So for example, if you were to speak at a man talks event, you would, uh, share in 20 minutes, uh, some of the defining moments of your life and how those defining moments shaped you, but also what lessons you extracted from those defining moments. So it gave men to really authentically share their life, the ups, the downs, the challenges and obstacles, the wins that they had in life, and to sort of peel away the, the sort of narrative that, you know, real men don't talk about it, you know, real men suck it up, et cetera, et cetera. And it just allowed guys to sort of take that first step and since that, we, you know, we've expanded quite a bit. We focus a lot now on, on doing sort of deeper work. Uh, so guys will come out to a, a men's weekend or a retreat uh, or they'll work with, with me one-on-one. Uh, -on -one. And really the focus now is in and around what I call shadow work. And uh, that's a Jungian term, um, which is the, the shadow of the psyche is the part of us where we hide all of the aspects of ourselves, of our identity, of our life that we don't like, that we want to avoid. And the one thing that I really started to notice was that a man's shadow is one of the one of the areas in which you know he definitely needs to work, but it's almost always the area that's causing sabotage and confusion and disarray in his life. And so you know, man talks has evolved over the years. Um, by giving guys an access point, you know, through a podcast, through, you know, live events. But it's really all so that they can engage in this deeper work of meeting the parts of themselves that they would ultimately reject or the parts of themselves that have been rejected by family members or, uh, you know, society in some way, shape or form or relationships, et cetera. Right, right. Now, do you find, um, let me ask the question a little differently. The men that you work with, um, what's the percentage of men who are seeking help in their current relationship versus men who have hit, and, hit such a low and they've lost the relationship that they're really looking to, to struggle to get back? Yeah, that's that's a great question. I don't know if I have like a, a breakdown, like a percentage breakdown. I think it's if I had to guess, it's probably like 70, 30, you know, 70% of the men are are sort of on the cusp of that complete breakdown, whether it's relationally or within their career. And, you know, roughly 30, 30%, maybe a little bit more have you really seen that implosion happen. Um, so I, I find like a lot of the men come into the work 
usually during a transition, mm-hmm. whether mm-hmm. that's transition in the relationship, maybe they've just become fathers and all of a sudden life has, you know, radically shifted. Their relationship has shifted. Their, their, uh, you know, the, the sexual relationship with their partner has shifted. Uh, and so they are trying to figure out how to adjust to this really big new way of living life. Um, that's a big one. But the, the main thing that I noticed is that they're, a lot of guys have this story and this narrative that they need to bottom out in order for things to get better, right, that right. they actually need to hit rock bottom before they can start to improve. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like because we have removed this culture of initiation, of male initiation within our society, that guys are using very unhealthy ways in, you know, within their lives unconsciously to sort of replicate and produce that form of initiation because we as a society and a culture, we're not giving it to them. Right. And so they're searching for it. They can't seem to find it. There's something about themselves that they're trying to learn or discover, uh, you know, a part of themselves that they're trying to grow, especially because as men, we're seen as, as performance based uh, organisms, I guess you could right, say. Yeah, so exactly. our, our ability to perform is incredibly important. Mm-hmm. And so, so as men, we sort of seek out uh, these opportunities for us to grow. And, and sometimes we just do it in very unhealthy ways. And so for some men, they really are, are they, they hold on to this idea that they need to hit rock bottom in order for any type of growth or expansion or, uh, you know, the actualization of their potential to, to actually happen. Right, right. So you mentioned something about retreats. Um, I've been to many men's retreats over the years and I find them... Um, transforming for men what what's been your experience with retreats and helping men get better your, your biggest yeah. takeaways of the events you've held yeah i mean i think the the biggest ones are that we need to face the parts of ourselves or our life uh, or our past that we that we want to avoid most and that there is such an incredible amount of strength in being able to do that you know whether that is the, the abuse that, that we faced as a child, whether it's the abandonment, whether it is, you know, a, a failure, a systemic failure in a relationship that we had in the past or a broken down business. Those are the things that, that we need to face because what I think most men come out of those weekends realizing and sort of grasping is a sense of not only self-forgiveness, which can be very analogous and vague and hard to achieve, uh, for a lot of guys, but a sense of real self-empowerment, which is which is a little bit different from confidence. You know, I think that a lot of the guys come out of the weekend with a real understanding of how to experience self-leadership, right. you know, how to actually lead themselves through challenges, through their anxieties, through their depression. And that's something that a lot of men in our modern culture right now are searching for is the ability to lead themselves you know, heal their relationship to discipline mm-hmm. is especially one of them. I think a lot of men have unhealthy relationships to discipline in the sense that, you know, we, we see discipline as a punishment. Uh, I, I know I did growing up. I think a lot of men see discipline as a punishment. And so they lack discipline in their lives and they're constantly battling with discipline. So, you know, we do work at the weekends to, to heal a lot of those parts, help a man face his shadow, have discipline. Uh, you know, turn into a form of of practice, not a form of punishment. And that's incredibly expansive for a lot of men. And it allows them to sort of reclaim uh, or claim the direction that they want to take their their family, their relationship or their career. 
So when, when men start turning their lives around, how important is accountability to others around him in that, in that healing process? Yeah, it's, it's, uh, I have an interesting relationship to this because, you know, I see a lot of guys hiring accountability coaches, you know, just to text them at certain times or, uh, you know, trying to be accountable to other people. And I think that accountability to others is, is partially important, you know, being, being able to honor our word with other people, that's the important part. Right. Um, but, but outsourcing our accountability will never leave us in an empowered place. We need to be able to insource accountability. We need to be able to cultivate a relationship of, of how we can actually hold ourselves accountable. Because at the end of the day, we are the only ones that know whether or not we have failed on, you know, when we give our word to do something with our partner, with our wife, with our business partner, and then we don't follow through, maybe they don't actually hold us accountable, right? And so, right. but we know, you know, we, we really know. And so a huge part of it is, yes, being accountable to where we've given our word uh, to other people, to other men, to their women, uh, partners in our lives, but more specifically, training and cultivating the ability to be accountable to ourselves and to be able to say, to ourselves, you know, I've, I've given my word to this and I'm going to follow through on it. Yeah. And, and f for me, that's the biggest piece when it comes to accountability. So you talked about training men to do that. What, what kind of tools do you teach them on how to hold themselves accountable? I think you mentioned in source accountability, which I really like that phrase. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. So, I mean, it can come through a, a bunch of different, it, it really is man dependent, but a few of the tools that we teach men are things like meditation, mindfulness, breath work. Um, there's certain yogic practices. A lot of it is actually being able to to deepen their connection to their emotional intelligence mm -hmm. and and to their to their gut or their intuition. You know, Einstein had a great quote where he said that the rational mind is a faithful servant and the intuitive mind is a sacred gift. And we've created a culture that honors the servant and has forgotten the gift. And this for me is, is the, is part of the teaching is that we, we realize that so many men are overtaxing their rational mind and have completely lost the ability to just tune into their intuition, tune Absolutely. into their gut. Yep. And so, you know, it's sort of a, it's, it's a hard thing to explain to a guy, but, but we give them the tool of pushing them, um, and, and guiding them on the uncomfortable path of being able to tune more deeply into their intuition and into their gut because there's an intelligence there and an accountability there that is hard to avoid. So part of that can come through breath work. Part of it can come through meditation. Um, a lot of it is prompts. You know, I give men a lot of journaling prompts that are in first person. Mm -hmm. And a lot of those prompts are designed to help men face their insecurities because there's an immense amount of wisdom within our insecurities that we tend to avoid. Right. Um, some of those prompts are meant to help them face their anxieties or understand their depression or understand their loneliness. Um, but it is the, the tools that we give them are always designed to help them turn towards the parts of their identity or their ego or their shadow that they tend to avoid, uh, whether it's depression or anxiety or whatever that might be. And so that they can integrate it and integrate some of those pieces. Yeah. Uh, tell us a little bit about the feedback you get from the men you work with or the uh, special people in their lives. 
Yeah, <laughs> that's a great that's a great way of putting it. Um, I I'm always surprised, you know, whenever uh, men come out and do our our work, and then they head back home. You know, obviously they 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 get back home and they they usually reach out and say, you know, I feel like a completely different person, and I'm able to hear my my wife more easy. I'm, I feel so much more calm and grounded. The fights that we used to have, or the the reoccurring arguments that we've been on for the last couple of years seem to have dissipated. Mm -hmm. And I feel like I'm able to communicate with my partner uh, easier is very prominent. Uh, clarity and being able to make decisions is another big one. Um, and the I always love when I have uh, the special, you know, the special people in their lives reach out the the wives or, you know, the sometimes the kids will reach out and stuff like that. And mm -hmm. um, I, I remember I had uh, a gentleman in his early 60s come out to one of our uh, retreats last year and he hadn't talked to his son in a decade and he came to the retreat and, and we did some some pretty deep work on why that had happened and his relationship with his, his father and uh, after he left he got back and immediately contacted his son and they talked for hours and hours and hours and I got a message from his son thanking me for for the work that we do because it, it allowed them to rekindle the relationship and he's actually coming out uh the son is actually coming out to one of our men's retreats later That's on cool. this year so yeah i mean some of, i think just to distill it down it's you know people have clarity they have presence they are much more grounded and centered than than they've you know maybe ever been in in their life or at the at the very least and then then they've been in a long time right right you know i yeah. i love to help um, men understand that they have to start with themselves first. And that's the theme that I keep hearing from you is if you want to change, you've got to change yourself first. Mm -hmm. Impact the people around you and then people will start to realize that, hey, you're serious about it. Um, have any experience where people, men leave and, and for uh, 30 days or 60 days, they're pretty good and then they just wander back to their old behaviors and traits yeah yeah every you know i think one of the challenging things is that our habits are hard to break mm -hmm. you know and i think it's a very common thing for our rational mind to look for like the one-stop shop where we can go and do a thing or find a formula that gives us the the epiphany i call it chasing satori right satori is sudden enlightenment and so a lot of guys are chasing Satori. They're trying to find the one ring to rule them all, the one answer, you know, to yep. all of their questions. Mm -hmm. And and the idea there is that that's that's an illusion of the ego, right? The ego is is convincing us that we, you know, will find some perfect answer that will just heal us and and quote unquote fix us forever. Right. Um, but it is common, right? That you know, guys will go out to. A, you know, a, a men's weekend or or a Tony Robbins event, and they'll have this you know big epiphany and realizations and aha moments, and things will radically shift within them. But when they get back, they don't maintain the discipline, the practice, you know, on a morning morning routines or stay connected with the brothers. Like we always connect men after our after our men's weekends uh, in a WhatsApp group, and we encourage them to to get together. Um, and and stay in contact, and they do for a very long time, and that actually is a is a incredibly uh, resourceful uh, group. We also have an online program that men can join after, where we have weekly calls so that they can stay accountable. Yeah. 
but the men that don't join, it's very, it can be challenging, right? Because they go back into their lives. Um, you know, the people around them haven't necessarily had these big revelations that they have. And so they, they start to swim upstream. And if they don't maintain the practice uh, of, of being disciplined in doing the things that they know that they need to do, whether it's meditation or breath work or going to the gym or, you know, a journaling routine, et cetera, then their old patterns of dysfunction will eventually start to creep in 30 days, 60 days, 90 days later. And if they don't have the support group that, that is offered to them and they don't engage in it, then those patterns will start to come back in. And that that's a natural progression, right? The ego will start to regrow itself yep. and regrow those patterns, kind of like a, a hedge that you've cut around your house. Um, it'll start to regrow itself. And so I think the biggest piece that most men need to know when they start on this journey of any sort of self-leadership, personal development is that the, the maintenance piece is the most important part, right? You can go and have these big revolutionary weekends wherever you are, but the maintenance piece is the growth. As my, I don't know who said it, but the victory is in the journey, right? It's not the summit. It's the victories in the journey. And so we really have to focus on that part. Yeah, yeah exactly. You know, sometimes we look at a program and we come back and, and work it maybe for 30 days and then start to move away. And we say, well, the program didn't work. Yeah. So I've got to find a new program to see if that one works. Right. And, or right. try that one. And, you know, I've heard a lot of men with their ego say, well, I'm going to try this. And I always give them feedback on the word try and say, hey, look up try in the dictionary and see what it, uh, see what it says. And it basically says, I'm going, to, I'm going to do this to see if it works rather than start with himself and say, I'm going to change and get better. And yeah. regardless of the program or tool, it's, it's really up to me. Um, so, well, I think, I think you bring up a really good point. I mean, part of, part of this is a sort of like a systemic problem with the quote unquote person development industry, you know, and in that a lot of people's businesses are reliant on, you know, needing those people to sort of go through the value ladder over and over and over again and, and sort of recycle them. Right. And, and the personal development industry has been built like that for quite a long time, um, which is interesting because it's kind of a scarcity mindset, right? It's like, there's not enough people out there right. to go to work, which is, which is hilariously odd. Yeah. Uh, but the other, the other part of that is our relationship to commitment, you know, and this isn't just a man thing. This is a human thing, but, but men specifically, our relationship to commitment is incredibly important. And there is what I've noticed often a hesitation to fully commit to something that a man knows deep within his core will radically change and alter the course of his, of his life. Even something as simple as committing to a meditation practice in the morning or committing to do a program, a year long program, um, you know, through an organization like yours or mine, that they know can alter the course of their life, the commitment to that, they are naturally going to feel an immense amount of resistance. And in shadow work, one of the things that we talk about is being able to notice where there's resistance, where mm -hmm. there's reactivity and where there's resistance is where there's expansion and growth. But we, we move away from those parts. And so, uh, so we need to also look at healing or altering or expanding our relationship to commitment because that's also an important piece. Right, right. I love your mention about journaling. That that was one of the things that I did that really, really helped me. And, you know, it doesn't mean that I write down everything that happened in my life, right? It's yeah. just, 
you know, in general terms, here's, here's what I face today. Um, what did I learn about it? And I may come back in 30 days and learn something. But I think for me, I was able to look back seven, eight, nine, ten years, and I was able to see the growth in mm -hmm. myself as a person and a man. And that part is great to help me as an individual, not just rely on the comments that come from the outside when you can see your own growth. So I really okay. like the journaling part. And then I'm going to encourage listeners to listen, um, listen to what Connor has to say. We need to spend more time with ourselves in reflection, understanding, um, thinking about our thinking is what we like to say. But, you know, I do more reflection today than I've ever done in my life. And I find that time is really necessary in order for me to get better as a person and also as a leader, husband, mm -hmm. father. I need that time. Um, it isn't something that I can, I can set aside and continue to grow. It really is part of of my DNA, and I encourage people to see if it's part of, can be part of your DNA as well. Yeah. So good. So good. Yeah. I think the, the art of contemplative action, right? Contemplative thinking and, and being able to create opportunities for ourselves to truly reflect. Uh, oftentimes as guys, we just have these, I call it, I mean, I'm sure everyone's heard of it, but like the analysis paralysis, right? That we yep. get stuck in these thought patterns. And that's, that's not thinking, right? I, I sort of call it mental masturbation. And I, I don't know if I can say that on your show. I you hope can, that that's okay. Can. Everybody will understand what that means. Yeah. yeah. But, but we really get stuck in, in that pattern, right? Of ruminating on the same things. And that's not thinking. That's just, that's just cyclical recycling of, of one or two simple thoughts. And so, you know, the act of journaling is really being able to witness and see our own thoughts and then start to question the validity of them and start to question which ones are useful. And, and we, can, we can really be able to identify uh, and get a deeper sense of, of who we are, which I think, you know, from an existential standpoint is one of the biggest challenges that a lot of men are facing is, is not so much a midlife crisis, but an existential crisis of who am I, why am I here? And who and what am I meant to serve? You know, what am I meant to do? What's my purpose? Right. Yeah. You talked earlier about relationships with our fathers mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, we have a couple of choices. We can continue the patterns that we learned from our father or we can change them. Mm -hmm. And for those of us that have sons, it really is up to us to change that pattern. Um, and what I like to tell uh, or talk to men about is. Uh, you know, maybe your father didn't have anyone to teach him how to be different. Mm. In a lot of cases, you know, that's the case. So why don't you learn and change so you can teach your son um, how to be not just successful in life, be significant, but also be at ease with yourself, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. So good. Yeah, I think that we there's a lot of pressure that men put on themselves to be perfect in some of these areas, you know, especially the areas. What I have noticed is that there's a correlation to like the deeper, the wound, the, the, this the more strong of a pull that we have to be perfect in the healing of it. Right. You know? Right. So mm -hmm. like if, if, a, if a young man, let's say had an abusive father, there seems to be a very strong pull to be this like perfect dad. And, you know, there's just no such thing. We can aim for it. Um, right. Right. <laughs> we can aim for it and, and, and we can, you know, do our, do our best and, and we can grow and expand and, and that's great. But that sometimes that pressure 
to be that perfect dad, husband, et cetera, because of the experience that we had in our childhood is the exact thing that's holding us back, that we need to release ourselves from that, that pressure of perfectionism. Right. Now, you know, people look at you and look at me and they always, well, most of the time they think we have a perfect life <laughs> and that we don't struggle. So um, do you struggle in what you do um, in helping other people? Do you have those moments where you go, man, what am I doing? And I'm struggling inside to see the positive results that I'm, that I'm working on. Yeah. Um, I mean, absolutely. I think the, so my wife and I work together quite a bit. She is, um, like the top marriage and family therapist here in Manhattan. Um, and she runs a, an online account with almost half a million followers called at mindful MFT. And the, it's so funny because the, probably the, question we get the most is you know do you fight do you argue right. yeah exactly and yep. and if so because people want to know like hey because from the outside from the outside on social media sometimes it just looks it just looks perfect right like we don't pick up our phones in the middle of a conflict and start recording ourselves right right, right. it's the moments where where things are working well but yeah i mean absolutely i think um i i have more and more over the years started to really see the value that you know the this conversation is having and I can really see the value of the work that that I'm doing with men. I think where the the struggle happens is my and this is my personal struggle that's come up over the last couple of years has been this uh, this sort of like Superman complex, you know, the the complex of of believing that I can do everything all the time all at once. Right. And and so, you know, where I've struggled is really honing in on where is my gift and what am I putting it towards? And, and, and then saying no to a whole bunch of other things. And that's really challenging because the healer in me, the helper in me, the man in me that, that sort of wants to just give, 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 give and build and build and build mm -hmm. wants to say yes to everything. And so sometimes I struggle with saying no to things that really are wonderful uh, opportunities and ideas um, and I, you know, and every once in a while I'll, I'll say yes and I'll kind of get in and like, oh, uh, crap, I did it again. Yeah, what am I doing here? <laughs> you right? know, yeah. am uh -huh. I, but I, but I know I, thankfully I have, you know, really great men around me who, who will question me mm -hmm. and they'll say, Hey, are you sure that's aligned? you know, with what you are building in man talks with the work that you're wanting to do in the world. Um, and I can usually tell very quickly by the look that my, that my wife will give me, you know, right, so, right. so kind of give me that look like, are you taking on too much right now? Um, and so that's, that's usually my area of struggle is I have a tendency of, and I'm, I think this is so common in our world today, you know, of just taking on too much to the point where we can start to, uh, you, you know, our capacity to add value in the things that we love the most. Right. Can can start to suffer. And I think I noticed it really quickly when those when my discipline starts to, you know, in my morning routine, my morning breath work and journaling and meditation starts to fall by the wayside. And I uh -huh. maybe I've gone one or two days without it. I'm like, oh, what's happening? Right. Like, have I taken on too much? Am I trying to do too much? And so that that's usually where my course correction happens. Yeah, it's, it's real difficult to say no. Uh, but there are some. Um, I find this with men that the best thing they could hear from us sometimes is, is the answer. No, yep. uh, that to try and pass the ball way too much. And that that's a part of life as well, where people want to pass things off and go, well, you know, 
uh, Connor or Art will take care of it. And really, we should say no and push it back to them and, and give them that, that opportunity to learn rather yeah. than pass it on. Yeah. Well, I think that, I mean, I, the reason, one of the things I loved about your, the work that you do and this, you know, this idea of servant leadership is that I think so many of us have that archetype within us that wants to be a servant based leader. And the, one of the biggest challenges with that is that we can often, you know, from that place of servitude, from that place of joy that we get right. from being of service to other people, we can, we'll just overtax ourselves, you know, until, right. until we're running ourselves into the ground. And, and then we start to have resentment towards our partners or our business partners or our kids for not doing enough for us. And, and we realize that we haven't been asking. Right. And so I think there's, there's the duality of it, right. Being able to just say no. And sometimes without explanation, just, nope, that's, I'm not going to do that. or I'm not going to engage in that. Uh, and, but then also being able to ask for what we need and, and to remind ourselves that the people around us also, you know, want to be able to support us and that it's a gift, you know, it's a gift for, for us, um, to receive that and, and for them to be able to give that to us. Right. Yeah. You, you've mentioned gift a couple of times and, um, I think that if we stay in our gifts, if we know what our gifts are and we stay in our gifts when we serve people, um, I think we're going to be happier uh, mm. in that service and we're not going to take on too much. Uh, people ask me, it says, why, why don't you and Lori, your wife, go down and, and serve meals at the kitchen? Well, God didn't give that gift to us. He gave us a gift of being able to create funds that will go help the people go do that. So we focus on creating funds and giving people money that, that are on the front line. We're not frontline yeah. people. And it took us a long time to figure that out because we were just volunteering for everything. Yeah. And when you volunteer for everything, <laughs> we weren't spending too much time together as husband and wife because we were volunteering all over the place. And yeah. it takes a while for us to, to figure out that we can be more impactive in the community when we stay within our gifts. Yeah. Well, I, I, you, I think you bring up such a incredibly important point of how we find our gifts. Cause I think that that's something that's very elusive for a lot of people. It's like, I don't know what my gift is, you know, and there's a lot of talk about passion. Um, but I think, you know, for me, and it sounds like for you a little bit as well, what I've noticed with a lot of people, but for myself certainly was that the pathway to finding my gifts came in, in finding what it was not, you know, right. in really getting clear and, and trying, a, you know, a few different things. Um, and, and then being able to hone in on it. I knew that I wanted to be of service to men. I knew that I wanted to support them. I knew that I specifically wanted to work on, on relationships, uh, you know, in, in couples. And at first I didn't know what that looked like. So it started off as events, you know, and that was quite successful. You know, we had, at one point we had events in a dozen cities, over a dozen cities around North America mm -hmm. uh, with, you know, on a monthly basis, hundreds of people coming out to these events in these different cities. And it was lacking, you know, for me. And I was like, oh, this isn't, this isn't my gift. This right. isn't my thing. Yep. But I could feel that I was moving in the right direction. And so it was the process of honing it down to the point where, you know, now with the men's work in, in the weekends, I know that I've tapped into my gift because the work that happens there is, you know, without sounding sort of arrogant or conceited is, is profound. Mm -hmm. And, and I, I receive an immense amount of joy. You know, a lot of times guys are like, how, how do you do this for four days? You must be absolutely exhausted. I'm like, 
my tank is my tank is just <laughs> yeah, brimming right. right now. Yeah, I couldn't be I couldn't be happier. You know, I'm, and and I think for some people it's challenging because what they see is, you know, someone sitting there working with some some of people's trauma or abuse or darkness, and and they view that as very taxing. And and it's not for everyone, right? But that's right, why right. it's it's my gift and not someone else's. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> some people some people just can't do that, right? So it's it's an important distinction. You know, I, I you you touched on on something where we go to our events, we hold them, we do workshops all the time, and you know I get pretty high in those events, especially when I hear people uh, feedback during the interaction uh, during the event to tell me, well, I never thought of it that way. Mm. Um, but I want to ask you a question: When you're teaching, do you ever have times where you go, "Wow, I just told men that they should be doing this," and I forgot to do that last week or last month mm-hmm. in my my relationship. You ever have times where you're you're realize that you're really talking to yourself first and then a group of men? Yeah, yeah, yeah. sometimes sometimes that will definitely happen absolutely and I think I think that there's a new breed and brand of leadership that's coming out in the field that we're in in psychology in um, in therapy in the coaching industry in the personal development in, industry where for a long time there was a separation between client and therapist right right? Mm -hmm. where as a therapist you had to be this blank slate and i think for a long time in the personal development industry it was about positioning yourself as like this perfect entity i remember hearing someone say you know your clients want to hear how you've gone from ordinary to extraordinary and you also need to be extraordinary all the time right and i think it creates this it creates this pedestaling and guru nature. And I've always said, I, I never want to be some pedestal guru that that other men or women look at me and they say, I'll never be like that. I don't want that at all. If, if that's what, what's happened, I've missed my mark because I want everything that I've done to be to be something that people know is achievable for themselves. Right. That, that the joy and the passion and the expansion and the growth and the alignment that I have in my life, I want people to know that that's capable for them and that they can achieve that as well. And that also means that I need to be humble enough to say in those in those moments, you know what, I actually I call myself out here. I didn't do this last right. week or exactly. I've been struggling with this lately, too. And it creates a relatability because, you know, my ego doesn't need to be so big that I'm that I need to position myself as not flawed because I am and we all are. Yeah, we're human beings. We're going to fail. Yeah, we're not perfect. And people need to understand that. So, you know, part of your humility amazes me. But what I like is, is the name of your company, Man Talks. It Mm. doesn't have your name in it. It's not about Connor. It's about how do we get men to talk, feel better about themselves, learn about themselves and get that conversation started. Yeah, because you can't get to where you want to go unless you start talking about it. Yeah, uh, and converse with each other. So, um, Connor, I loved our time together. I I really am. Um, I love what you do. I love working with men. I think there are times when I I get more satisfaction out of working with men and helping them get better. Um, maybe because I understand them better. Uh, but. <clears throat> I really admire what you're doing and helping men, and I've seen that in a lot of small groups that I've done through church, and and see men really turn their lives around, and that's what it's all about. So uh, Mm -hmm. kudos to you, your organization, and what you're doing. So 
Thank uh, you. Keep I up the great that. work. How can people get a hold of you? Tell us a little bit about uh, just your chance to do a little PR uh, on your company <laughs> and you. How, how can people uh, find Connor and Mantox and, and start their transformation? Yeah, I think, uh, well, first off, I appreciate that and, and just the opportunity to talk about it. Um, the, probably the easiest way is I'm pretty active on Instagram. Um, it's just at Mantox, M-A-N-T-A-L-K-S. If you want to check out the, you know, the, the podcast that, that we have or the men, you know, men's weekend or the online group that we have, um, then definitely head on over to mantalks.com uh, or you can go to connorbeaton.com and, and check it out on either of those sites. Um, yeah, those are the easiest ways to interact. Great. And feel free to, to reach out and, and direct message me and you know, ask all kinds of questions. I, I love receiving questions from people and then you know, turning that into to content and answering those questions live or something like that. Yeah, and men need that encouragement to go make that step. Right, reaching 100%. out to others. Yeah, and yeah, I, I I usually say that like women are often the permission card holders mm-hmm. for men to do the work, but then men need to go do the work, right? Yeah, so exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I can't tell you how often a guy's like, I'm, uh, you know, I found you through my wife or my, you know, my sister sent me your Instagram profile, and most guys come across me because a, a woman has said, hey, you know, maybe you should go look into this, but once they you know, once they come out to the weekend, then, you know, then they're referring guys, which is yeah. very, very helpful. <laughs> uh, Lori, Lori once told a group of people we were with, she said, you know, if servant leadership can change art, it can change anybody. And mm-hmm. I went, whoa, 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 wait a minute. And then I started to realize that's really a compliment. Yeah. Um, and I think you've probably fallen in that same, same category. Uh, oh, 100%. If you had met me a decade ago, I mean, people that have known me since my childhood uh, have seen just a, a drastic change and a, and a completely different person, um, which is which is wonderful in its own way. All right, Connor, thank you again for being with us today. Uh, everybody, uh, this is uh, SLI uh, podcast. And Connor, you want to leave any final uh, words of wisdom with our, our listeners today? Oh boy. Um, I think I would just leave them with a quote, which is the the longest journey a man will ever take is from the 18 inches from his head to his heart. And that's a, that's a part of the work that we all have to do. It's not cliche. It's not, I mean, maybe it's a little cheesy. I think if I would have heard that 10 years ago, I'm like, okay, but, but it's, it's so true, you know, and this is the work. And, um, and part of that means that that journey from the head to the heart is going to require you to face your own demons and your own shadow and your own darkness and that's a part of the journey that if you listen to every everyone that has achieved some level of greatness or success whatever that means to you in their life whether it's in business or relationships that they've done along the way they've had to face their own demons so uh so start now start today take the first step yeah i love that 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 18 inches between the, your your brain and your heart uh that's a two-way pipeline isn't it it is, yeah, yep, absolutely. Yep, yep. All right, Connor, thanks again. Uh, you've made a great impact on me today and on our uh, listeners. So, uh, everybody, we're going to sign off. Uh, keep an eye out for future uh, SLI podcasts, and uh, we hope that we've influenced you in a very positive way today. Thanks for listening. Take care. Bye-bye. Hey, everyone, we hope you liked that conversation between Art and Connor. We have a free gift courtesy of Connor to go along with this episode. If you're interested in receiving a downloadable PDF titled The Guide to Ending Self-Sabotage, 
then simply email us at info at servantleadershipinstitute.com with the subject line Man Talks, and we will send that over to you. Also, we have a new webinar coming February 18th, which will be an overview of servant leader behaviors. Visit our website at servantleadershipinstitute.com to register. Thanks again for listening and allowing us to add value to your day.